This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 202 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands-On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing and grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have a champion from the horse training world, as well as three people championing the use of horses in the people world. I'll explain. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. How is springtime treating you? You wouldn't know it's springtime here yet. It was 26 oh. degrees here this morning. Ah. Yikes, and you're in California. You're That's you're kind said. of in Northern California, right? No, actually. Some people consider this Southern California because we're in the Santa Barbara area. I say it's more like Central California because it's not as warm as Southern California, but it's not usually that cold, Jen. <laughs> we were <laughs> irrigating. So, you know, if it's not that, you know, it's it's not wet like Northern Cal. We're in dry territory. Here we are, February, already irrigating because we've had some 80-degree days. Uh, but we irrigated this week, so we put up the the pipes yesterday. We, that was the royal we because I, <laughs> I wasn't hauling those pipes out there. Um, there's a great crew of guys that do that. But they put them up, turned them on, and this morning we had white fences. It was so cool. It was like, you know, like we'd put up drapes or something. <laughs> oh, neat. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Ocala, Florida, right? No, that does not. <laughs> that does not happen in Ocala, Florida. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. really good. I'm really excited about the interviews we have coming up on yeah. today's show because we have two different aspects of the horsey world, if you will. Yeah. Um, the directly in contact with the horsehair part, but a part that is becoming more and more and more influential for the overall health of the industry, the part that welcomes in and brings in human beings who are curious about horses, whether or not they can be near them. So mm -hmm. really excited about that. But before we get to it, I wanted to mention something. What, the title sponsor of the Horsemanship Radio Show is Hands on Gloves. Yes. Yes. And I wanted to mention one of the many, many uses of the hands-on gloves. First of all, they come in two hands. There's nothing worse than having a grooming tool <laughs> you can only use with one hand. And most grooming gloves are either right or left. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I have a big horse. By the time I get halfway through that horse, I've got the left side groomed. I need to switch hands. <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry. I need to switch hands. So I like having two hands. But also, because the little knobbly nubblies are on each and every fingertip, including your thumb, Right. You can get the nooks and crannies. And in the springtime, the horses start to get sweaty, but they still have plenty of hair. Yeah. So you get that greasy, cruddy stuff in the nooks and crannies yeah. and yep. on their, like on their cannons or in that little dent above the bulbs of their heels yeah. and things that, like that. Yeah. That, that gooey. Yeah. Hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you have your hands on gloves, you can scrub around in those little nooks and crannies so they don't get the greasy, gooey stuff that makes their hair fall out. Preventative grooming. 
you know, you're such a good parent. That sounds awesome. You're <laughs> such a good mom. It's true though. But you know, then I, I go, you know, I get excited about using them and we go after the dog and we go after, we actually have a couple of goats and we, <laughs> we go after them. I bet all. you they love that. Oh, they do. Now they're, you know, leaning into it. At first they thought I was chasing them with them, but <laughs> 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 you know, I, I love our hands. You know, I have to tell you, I just got off the phone call with this lovely lady who called from England this morning, and she was concerned about her thoroughbred who wouldn't let her groom her belly and girth area. You know, that's that's that ticklish area anyway. And hey, they're born with that. That's DNA, you know, protect that belly area. And it was ticklish, and, and, a, and the horse would get a bit annoyed. And so she didn't want to annoy it. But it's a thoroughbred, and she's getting really antsy, increasingly antsy about having that area touched. She saw this gal coming. You know, I could hear her becoming sort of exasperated just describing this. Mm -hmm. And I know that this sort of builds a, a wall between horses and owners, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to break down that wall, and um, you just want to stop that that concern because the horse starts to feel it. You know, so I had to rule out all the medical issues and. And the recommendation was so easy. Get a pair of hands-on gloves and start grooming with it. And and start at the wither. Start at that sweet spot, you know, that all horses love because that's where mama rubbed on them and they where they rub on each other then later in the fields, you know. It's the it's the sweet spot. So um even with sensitive skin horses, you know, they they love that feeling of grooming with hands-on gloves. So if you have to get your horse, this is what I told her, if you have to get your horse used to it, start at that wither and pretty soon, I mean, that's a good area. Work to the other areas where you know when you rub on them, they, the little lip starts twitching and everything. But be incremental and that's key. And then have a brush in your hand if you want to put, you know, distance between how the horse is feeling and they're feeling, anyway, ticklish tolerance is what you look for first. <laughs> and then with hands on gloves, you can feel those little sweet spots relaxing your horse. You can, you know, because be your hands right there. It's just like having hands with little nubbies on them because you're so close to the horse. And as you mo move to those really sensitive areas, you can use that concept of advance and retreat too. A little sensitive. Okay, I'll back it off. Oh, a little sense. I'll back it off. But pretty soon they go like, hey, that actually feels pretty good. So, Help your horse build a little tolerance to the ticklish spots and then go all the way to loving that massage when they get to see you coming with your, your hands on gloves. That was the tip I gave her. There you go. Incremental grooming and preventative grooming. Both a good idea. Natalie Mayreth is Stream Horse TV's director of content. Natalie's grandparents were big Kentucky Derby goers, and her grandfather got her into horses as a kid by taking them to the backside of Churchill Downs at sunrise. Her mother rode Morgan horses, and growing up in Texas gave Natalie a great exposure to the Western world, but her riding focus growing up was mainly in the inventing area. In her TV journalism career while living in New York, racing has served as her horse fix these days. Then we have Tom Pierce also on this interview, and Tom Pierce is CEO of Stream Horse TV and founder of Bacon Lane Ventures. Tom left wealth management in 2019 to pursue his entrepreneurial aspirations, founding Bacon Lane Ventures alongside Pierce the Heart Productions and Anthology Corp. It's a platform which aims to streamline and strengthen the photography industry in one superior experience. Tom's goal with Stream Horse TV is to create the premier digital multimedia community where horse enthusiasts of every walk of life can join to expand their horizons too. Well, I am fortunate today to have two people 
who are leading the way. They're progressive in the equine equestrian world. They are working us on Stream Horse TV. And I'm so excited because I have the director of content and I've got the CEO of Stream Horse TV. And I'm going to start with you, Tom, today. How are you? Good, Debbie. How are you? Thanks for having us. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on because, you know, this is the kind of thing that is going to take the equine world, the equestrian world, into our future, I think. I I believed Mm -hmm. in streaming and horse media since uh, since I was a little girl actually I, mm-hmm. <laughs> we you know we we <laughs> created 16 millimeter films around here and um, and mm-hmm. and whole, loved media wholly from um, a very young age and I just think what I, it's fun to sit back and watch how you guys are innovating I'm so glad that you oh, took you. on this company and and are thank putting you, it out you. there it's what's going to keep the equestrian world alive I think and not in that um, you know those hollowed halls of affluence that some people want to mm. paint, paint the media in yeah um, so mm-hmm. tell, tell us a little bit about approaching stream horse TV and uh, the summer of 2020 I I want to know why why did you pick Stream Horse TV to be your next after wealth management your next pursuit? Uh, yeah, it's a great question, and it's one that is uh, very full of Hollywood cliche serendipitous events. Um, but um, you know, those really do happen. I believe when you really start to authentically you know follow a passion and a dream in a way, uh, not to be too sappy from the top, but. Um, we, my mother and I, uh, started a online art lesson and web series, uh, after I left wealth management and, um, it was kind of a dream in, in her, she's an equestrian artist, equine artist. And, uh, we, and also the female Bob Ross, uh, yeah. in a way. And, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and so we, we really you know, started pursuing this passion in, uh, getting her online lessons up and, um, and during that, that was a real, um, you know, dream come true moment. And, uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, was when our first, you know, uh, series came out and it went relatively viral. Um, and it was a, you know, wonderful silver lining in during a, a scary time. And, um, that parlayed into, you know, really, um, you know, serious, uh, production team, uh, that wanted to help us bring it to television and, and further into the digital world. And, um, and then, you know, people started getting furloughed and, and those Mm -hmm. deals started to fall through. And, um, and it was, you know, what we were committed to doing with our lives. So I was, you know, praying for, you know, someone to call, you know, from all these cold calls I've been making the networks and agents and whatnot. And, wow. uh, and, and the next day I got it, I literally the next day I got an email saying that stream horse TV, uh, was for sale. Wow. And, um, yeah. And so I, I quickly jumped on the opportunity. I was aware of it, but you know, it wasn't in my conscious mind. Um, but you know, with my mother's art and helping her market it as her <laughs> manager, um, I was especially using digital platforms the most to do so. Um, I was aware and paying attention to the equine media market, you know, pretty intimately. Um, and so I, you know, I'm a big opportunity to take on a, 
relatively simple business and, and, and turn it into what it is today. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I don't know about simple business, but I think that's pretty dramatic <laughs> to me, you know, TV yeah, it was very dramatic. horses to the, to the world. It, I mean, it's, it's on yeah. the internet, so it's to the world. Um, I love your mission and I love your goals. And we'll talk to Natalie a little bit about that since mm-hmm. she is, um, you know, finding that content out there that steers your ship. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, tell us a little bit about your your recent acquisition, which I think is a next step in making you a broader mm-hmm. a broader base with the Equine America magazine too. Tell what what was that? Yeah. Hmm? Oh sure, absolutely. Um, you know, with uh, you know, with the acquisition of Streamhorse TV, I said that you know I think the equine world could use a platform that actually speaks to all horse lovers and, and covers all horse sports and all horse cultures. And there's these awesome sports that are abroad, like horse ball and polo cross, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. lacrosse on horseback, which is a sport that I left riding as a kid to go play. And, uh, so I really wish that was on Long Island when mm-hmm. I was a kid, but, um, so the you know and then god gave me natalie um that's we met true. natalie through our through our produce you know our producers for mom's show it was a friend of natalie's and cosmically we met and um so we started with all our great original content um about this time last year um and have made some incredible partnerships um and one of them was with equine america um in promoting you know their um, digital platform to the sport horse community, mainly, you know, dressage, show jumping, um, and para, and also, um, a very beautiful mission around veterans and, um, equine therapy with veterans, uh, specifically. Um, and, um, that opportunity essentially fell into our lap as well as, as how I'll put it. Um, and you know, it's, it has, it's just a a wonderful publication that we're, we're really excited to amplify uh, into this year. Tell me the difference. Yeah. Tell me the difference between magazine and TV for you. Why, why, why does it fit so Mm. well in your lexicon? Yeah. Mm. Um, well, isn't everything TV now? Um, you know, everything's on your, and that's, it's wild. Um, and, uh, you know, that's where, you know, at the heart of what we started, uh, before stream horse TV with making, uh, mom's show, uh, a digital, you know, because I, you know, I live in Manhattan. I see people watching things on the subway all the time. And then if they watch it on the phone, they just put it on their television or their iPad. And, um, and so I, uh, I think terrestrial television, which is, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, a, a sinking ship, you know, is, is, uh, is, um, you know, transitioning to more digital, obviously if, you know, paying attention to what mainstream, you know, sports and pop culture are doing. So, right. um, and then most magazines are transitioning to, to be digital. Yeah. Um, and if, if we're looking 50 to a hundred years from now, I don't know how many more magazines, will be printing. Um, so it's, it's been an awesome opportunity to kind of, uh, amplify the digital presence in the horse world mm-hmm. in a way, which is, I think incredibly important, you know, when we're looking forward. 
Yeah. I, I, I like what I like about magazines still, digitally or otherwise, is there's something mm-hmm. of substance to magazines that you can't carry over on TV. You can't um there aren't links in it. You know, as you're reading a magazine, you can mm-hmm. put it down, pick it back up, whether it's on a, a paper white or whatever it's on, you know, a tablet. Yeah. But you can you can dig into a story more, I feel like, too. I mean, when you're not when you're sick of TV, or you're sick of just being fed a video, <laughs> it, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I I applaud your your balance there of uh, having a magazine and and streaming video because my brain doesn't want the same thing all the time, you know. I'm, yes, so. yes, yeah, and and you know I'm someone who loves to read and sees the value in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're going post literate, um, but oh, gosh, you know good. with with <laughs> no, and and uh, I still take notes with a pen and pad and mm-hmm. um, and so. I, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, from a business perspective, diversification there. Um, and, um, and it fits into, you know, what we are already doing with stream horse, which is predominantly video. And Natalie will, I'm sure speak to, to that very well. Um, but also with a written service journalism, you know, part to all, all the things that we're doing too. And that's a great transition to Natalie too, who is the horse girl of this. Natalie, I know you bring the warmth and even though you're, you know, way up on the top of Manhattan somewhere and we see nothing but uh, but windows behind you, we know that you're the you're the one that has horses in her background so much so that um, I I hear your excitement and enthusiasm about every horse that you talk about on every show. But tell us a little bit about your horsey background before we get into what you do as director of content. Sure. That's, um, that's interesting. Everybody always notices the, the glass and the building <laughs> that I live in, which is 18 floors into wow. the sky. Um, and I've been in Manhattan since 2004. So it doesn't appear that I would be that horsey from my <laughs> geographical surroundings. Um, but I grew up in Texas and ended up doing eventing, um, up through college, but my mother grew up outside of Louisville, Kentucky, mm. and my grandfather was one of those old guard, staunch race horsing <laughs> fans, horse racing fans, excuse me. My grandfather, I'm going to say that again, my grandfather was one of those old guard, staunch horse racing fans mm-hmm. who really just, I spoke at his funeral and I took the quote from Seabiscuit that said um, how a horse is like a machine. And I read a little from Citation's biography. That was his favorite horse. Uh But what was funny was everybody would always laugh about him being such a racing fan and watching it so much on television up in his 80s and 90s. Um, And he lived to almost 95, which was a blessing. But he truly, truly had a passion for horses and loved being around them. And somehow that rubbed off on me, mainly by him taking me to the backside of Churchill Downs at 5 a.m. in the summers <laughs> and doing the sunrise, you know, routine there, eating at the cafeteria, uh. walking around. And he had friends who had horses. So I got to get up close. And that kind of led to me going back to Texas and demanding to ride and <laughs> demanding them to have my own horses. And, uh, and my mother also rode, she, she showed Morgan horses. So both she and my grandfather, um, showed a little bit at the 
Kentucky and Indiana State Fairgrounds. I have some good photos somewhere of that floating around. But yeah, um, but yeah so I ended up um, going to summer camp at a, a hunter-jumper barn in Dallas where I grew up. And that just led to other connections and writing lessons. And, and then I ended up with a wonderful trainer, instructor, and second mother to me named Lois Drury. Um, and she is still in Texas now. Good. So she was in the um, eventing and field hunting and horse realm. She's another just incredible horse lover. Um, and when she couldn't ride much anymore, she showed miniature horses uh, oh, over the past cute. 20 years and had wow. a, a whole string of them, tons of them running around. So <laughs> you couldn't that's, take it away from her. <laughs> yeah, that's good therapy right there. See, it keeps you living forever, too. I think Yes, trick. <laughs> yes, but I ended up eventing. Um, and there was growing up in Texas, you're, of course, you've got the Western world. So I want to throw that in. I don't want to leave it out. Um there were lots of kids growing up around me who would do play days and, and do the Western sports. So I did beg, I, I used to beg neighbors um, who would go to the play days to let me go with them before I had horses of my own. So I did a little bit of poles and barrels, which was so fun when I was like a really little kid. Yeah. <laughs> you are the perfect person for director of content for stream horse TV. <laughs> I mean, look at this. I mean, I think, I could share here. I, I've read that the mission is to build an inclusive community that celebrates the horse as our beloved common thread. Listen to all that. And where horse enthusiasts come together to expand their horizons in equine sports and culture. This is also the salvation, I think, to the equestrian world where we don't get in our silos. So you've done it, you know, in all kinds of saddles and all kinds of geography and, um, and all kinds of eventing. And I, I love that um, you, you have now a, a microphone to go ahead and share people from all really, I guess you could say walks of life and walks of horses. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, but what's your, yeah. what's your favorite part of, of directing the content at stream horse TV? Well, it's really a marriage of my career and my passion that I kind of didn't have to put on hold by moving to New York city. I just ended up, being a racing fan. And that was my, I was always a racing fan growing up reading the, the breeding directories and reading the blood horse and reading the thoroughbred record in my grandparents' basement and watching VHS tapes of all the big races. So mm -hmm. that was actually, um, the New York racing scene, which I hadn't ever gone to as a kid became like how I kind of get the fix of, mm -hmm. of horses. And my husband goes along with it. Um, and, and, and he's British, so he knows horses a little bit by, by just upbringing. Um, but he does say it's, what is it? Sport mm -hmm. day, day drinking, watching sport and doing a bit of gambling and it's all legitimized. Um, <laughs> it so sounds like a Brit. Partake. <laughs> yes, it is. He is a Brit and he did take riding lessons, uh, as a child, but he does not opt to ride when we have the chance lately. That's your job. Um, <laughs> but, but my favorite part of it is, is really, I always wanted to work in broadcast journalism. I was a broadcast journalist major uh, at University of Texas at Austin. And um, I really, back in the heyday of MTV News, I was obsessed with it like many young people were. And I got to intern there and ended up in New York working for a while at MTV News and Documentaries. And then I got heavily onto the documentary side. Um, and 
women's content and an Olympics documentary as I was kind of making my way one foot out the door of MTV and then the other foot. Um, and this came along through an old colleague, as Tom probably said, and it's, um, it's kind of like bringing me back full circle to, to horses. And the mission didn't take us long to figure out because it's true. If you have the love, the community should have its doors wide open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're huge fans of the work you do, Debbie, not only as a as a media mogul, I know you don't like me saying that, but, <laughs> but also it, it goes hand in hand with, with what Monty's done, which spans across every breed and, and every horse person and every sport. Um, everyone should be included and everyone should be together. And a lot of the methods and the tactics and the love are very similar mm-hmm. and kind of go together no matter what you're doing. Um, Thanks so too. And so I think, for moving forward in media, they always say the horse world is a little behind and we want to take it forward. Yeah. And you are, you already are. So it must be fun to feel like you, you can go through that process with a little creative license that Tom gives you and, and, um, and be oh, able it's to so fun, right? Yeah. It's, it's fun. so <laughs> much fun. And it's, it's so much fun to be able to hear people's, you know, passions and, and also tell the stories about the horses because everybody loves that. I know. I love your Whitmore story. And I want to talk about that too, because this is where I feel like, um, telling those stories and bring and how you did brilliantly bring the team together to tell about Whitmore's story. Uh, and, and I can give a little description to, to start to seed this story, but from sale reject, to problem child, to unlikeliest of champions, Whitmore took his connections and fans on an illustrious journey, winning at the top level for a remarkable six years and capturing the hearts through his final race in August of 2021. You did so well to take us through that journey in this interview that you did. And I think my favorite line I heard at the end was, one horse can take thousands for a ride. Tell us about, yes. tell us how you put that together and what your, um, your response after that interview was. That was Tom's favorite quote as well. Uh, that's a quote <laughs> I'm going to send straight out on the Breeders' Cup airwaves um, whenever they are ready to send it out. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to have Whitmore Day in March um, at Oakland Park celebrating him. Um, and I'd seen Whitmore run a ton because mm-hmm. he was around forever on the yeah. track, but <laughs> But he he wasn't, you know, my special favorite horse by any means. Um, but once you dig into his story, yeah. and and I really take no credit for the story having the merit that it does. It's really his team and the horse. Um, I just happened to, to get them together. Um, what they did with him was extraordinary. And it really goes back to the humans and... I mean, this just to give y'all a little color, the the horse dumped his rider and wouldn't breeze at the sale, which basically means he's not going to have a buyer. And Ron Moquette saw a photo of him on his, he was, he had left the sale already, saw a photo of him, uh, was told he was a complete train wreck and said, buy him. Yeah. And then 
left him with his wife and their um, other assistant trainer and went off to out of town somewhere, somewhere to another track. And they had brought the horse out and he ducked, ran into the rail, reared, ran the other way, uh, tried to take steps backward and kick people and other horses on purpose, double barrel fire, kicking everything in sight. And they were like, what, what have you, what have you left us here with? And they took that horse and they had the patience yeah. to transform his mind. And it really is powerful. Um, and I was hearing what Monty and Jamie were saying on your 200, 200th episode, which just made me think of Whitmore again. Um, your dad said, if you, if they can relax and do what they want to do and what they're meant to do, and it's their idea and they want to do it, that creates champions. And when he said the word champion, that made me think of Whitmore. Whitmore, his owners and trainers will all tell you would not have ended up a champion and would probably not have made it, would have fallen through the cracks in any other barn, but they, they figured out his mind and they got him to make it his own idea to run. And Ron says in the interview, when he's doing it and it's his idea, get out of the way because he's going to win. And the horse who they thought and, and really would not take one step forward at a walk. She got him over. She said, I think 17 to 20 days got him to walk forward. That's how long it took. They took him to four breeders cups in a row he won almost $6 million and he's this, you know, has won the hearts of fans everywhere and has the biggest following of any living horse probably besides maybe Zenyatta. Yeah. And he's just this hard headed, stubborn thing. And, um, and they're carrying that over into his retirement. Obviously he won plenty of money and that was part of the interview. How do you handle the horses that don't earn millions and can pay for themselves to go on? But they're, going to keep him partially because he, they don't believe anyone else can really handle his mind. And so I think it really, that really resonated when your dad said that and it all kind of, again, comes together. Yeah. It worries me for horses um, that are so smart and so sensitive that if you don't have responsible connections, people around them, um, no matter how successful they are, what's our, what's our obligation to those horses whatever they've given, whatever they've given and whatever they've earned. What's, I know this is a personal question, but how do you feel we can change that world? Well, we're doing it through storytelling. Um, Mm. I think that for people to, I'll quote Donna Brothers, who posted this on um, Haggard's Race to Give campaign, which was a digital campaign to give back to Thoroughbred Aftercare. And this really has stuck with me. I don't think I've even told her this. Um, She said, not not a donation, an obligation in her comments with her donation. And I think it's it's just something that if everyone did their small part a little more, Mm -hmm. then there would be a huge shift. But I think there's just like even a small thank you um, that's becoming more mainstream and more prominent. I think the thank you is maybe not a thank you. It's the acknowledgement now that horses have the transformational healing power Yeah. Um, yeah. that we've talked about Debbie so much and, and you have the programs um, in that realm as well. But I think now that that's become more mainstream, people are, 
a little more respectful and maybe frankly in racing, it took a little bit of bad publicity to, to get, (laughs) get things going a little more. Whatever works. (laughs) But yes, I agree with you. I think, um, I think people are, you know, once, once there is public knowledge of, of the life cycle of a horse, you know, we, we do have more obligation Mm -hmm. that way to pay attention to that, whether it's public uh, sentiment or whether it's just uh, being good, good stewards of what we're put in charge of. But I, Mm -hmm. I like how you personalize each story that you have on these horse backwards. I do believe that story will help. I do believe that retraining, that's one of the things we do is retrain for a vocation, their next life, you know, um, yeah. because there's, think about it, they're bred for sensitivity, they're bred for athleticism, they're, they're, they're three, four, five, six years old, maybe when they come off the track, oh, Whitmore was an old pro, mm-hmm. and he was, what, six years? Yeah, an old, an old guy, he was, I think, he was eight last summer, yeah, so he, yeah. he's going on, nine, officially nine on January 1st, I guess. Think about that. He's got a whole life ahead of him. And, yes. you know, and so it's just a matter of figuring out what he wants to do. And it could be anything. Those guys are so athletic and so wonderful. Anyway, yes. so I think that probably our obligation is to retrain if we we can get that in the pipeline and just make people aware of, of these qualities of horses, those flight animals. It's different than other kinds of animals. We're mostly around, I, I usually like to say that, you know, we're around carnivores a lot, right? Dogs, cats, mm-hmm. and we yeah. love them. We love them. But carnivores have a totally different motivational system and, and uh, response than horses do. And I think that's what makes them unique and will keep them unique in our um, public personas as well in mm-hmm. therapy and other things that we can do with them. But um, you're, you're the on the right direction. We- yeah. One one of the reasons we really want to do a ton of content around the retirees and the retraining and and it, they don't have to be retired thoroughbred racehorses. It, it could be anything. Right. Um and it's finding the right match which the Moquette said brilliantly and you just said as well. Um the matchmaking element and the the patience is important um but it goes so well with our mission to bridge the different siloed worlds together to see these horses go into different chapters of their lives and, and bridge together the people who are, who are stewarding them through these different chapters and might have them for one chapter, but need to be connected with the people who are there for the next one down the road. Mm. Well said, well said. And the right horse, of course, which we're, we're all right horse partners here. We, we believe in their mission. Um, our RP, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation is a sanctuary organization, but we partner with them a ton and, and their shows about their powerful programs, especially their prison program that has inmates working hand in hand with horses to learn skills to get back out in the world. The horses have a purpose mm-hmm. after their athletic careers. The horses get to have this wonderful life and have these human partners and the, the humans get to learn and get that reflective, transformative, powerful healing, whatever they did, they get a second chance. Um, and so we love to highlight all of the above. Um, and we also like to partner with people who are, I'll throw this in there, advancing women's opportunities Mm -hmm. all throughout the industry, minorities, everyone getting everyone together. And, and like you said, not, not limiting the equestrian community to just these affluent 
people in one sector because we see what the horse can do and because we see the power of, of the animal and, and how much it means to the people who get to be around them and, and get to live it. Yeah, I think so too. And your mission statement says it all. And I'm really proud of what you have done. And I'm really excited to see what you will do through Stream Horse TV, through Equine America Magazine, and um, through your personal lives as well, both of you. So I appreciate appreciate being on and I appreciate your heart and your passion and your soul. And um, let's work together in the future. Yes, Debbie, for sure. You know, we're huge fans of yours. um, And we have when you said the word retraining, we have the retraining goal series, which Whitmore, I will throw out there, will be a part of. <laughs> okay, good. We'll follow the story. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's been so much fun chatting with you guys. And don't forget, I'm going to go take care of this right now. You can s- subscribe to all of the content over at Stream Horse TV for free. And you can follow Stream Horse TV on social. They are at Stream Horse TV, all one word. <laughs> Let's talk about American Harvest. I spoke with the founder, John Paracha, this last week to share how well our transition horses are responding to his equine hemp pellets. That's what we've been feeding them while they're being trained for their next homes through adoption. Equine hemp utilizes their raw CBD technology and was designed by their veterinarian, Dr. Silver. They proudly utilize no chemical processing in the manufacturing of equine hemp, and it comes in four-pound, two-pound, and one-pound packages. To get some for your horse today, go to ahihemp.com. That stands for American Harvest, so it's A-H-I-H-E-M-P.com. And you can sign up to receive 10% off on your first order while you're over there, too. Kristen Simpson-Harden believes that it's a gift that we get to ride and that it's about being the best partner for your horse that you could absolutely can be. She believes that the rider's journey is a mental game and that you're only competing against yourself. She believes in being happy with her fellow competitors when they do well. Like with most things, success is an indirect byproduct. By not actively focusing on the competition and with laser-like intention on her relationship with horses, she rides. Kristen has experienced enormous success in the show ring. This was achieved by focusing on the process and the horse. In just the last 10 years alone, Kristen Harden has won 31 Grand Prix classes and nine Hunter Derbies. She's made a living taking the horses the other riders have rejected and brought out their highest potential and therefore turned them into champions time after time, year after year. She uses plan-oriented approaches custom to every rider to consistently practice nothing less than the alchemy, the mythological practice of turning base metals into gold. Now, Kristen's passion is helping other riders achieve the same sort of success with their horses that she has experienced. Well, welcome, Kristen Harden. I am so pleased and honored to have you on. You've accomplished so much. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I I love having you on because, and I love where you are right now. You're out of the arena watching your son have a lesson on a horse. Now, first of all, there's a lot of good reasons that's really cool. Moms being with their kids is cool. Moms having a boy that's into horses is really cool, too. Yeah, it's It's getting to be fewer and far between of these guys in here. My kids were raised into this life, and uh, luckily for me, they 
have the same love for it that I do. So that's, it's all in the family out here. It is all in the family and you're, you're local. We're, we're practically neighbors now. I'm so (laughs) glad to get to know you. We met through a friend, Aisha, and I got to thank her for introducing us, but I I've met you. I think we met in Florida maybe one time um, when you were competing out there, but you, are are you competing nationally now everywhere or is, do you mostly stick to the West Coast? Nationally now we head out on Monday again for three more weeks, Sacramento for a week and then back to Coachella for two weeks out in the desert and we have we're mostly in California this year I think we've we've been all over internationally Canada and even down to Colombia so it depends on what horses we have where the tour takes us but this year it looks like with the young horses we have and the clients that we have jumping that we're going to stay in the California area. Yeah. Well, it's the best weather right now. Anyway, I don't blame you. (laughs) Right. It is. It's beautiful. It's about 75, 80 degrees today, I think. And um, we're, we're making people jealous. This, this episode comes out right in the middle of winter. So sorry about that part, but not for us. Uh, I I wanted to, I want, this is our first interview. So I always like to give people, our listeners, a little bit about your horsey background. Did you get into horses when you were like 20? Five or did you always grow up with horses? I got into horses when I was about one. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad won a horse in a raffle. Oh, wow. And uh, not knowing too much about it, I brought the horse home. And uh, my mother learned to ride with me and my brother uh, strapped to her body like yeah. a monkey. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that was me in the front and my brother in the back. and. We- I'm not kidding. And I, one day, um, I, when I was old enough, I told my dad I wanted my own pony. Yeah, I don't I blame didn't you. Want to ride with mom anymore? <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's been my life and my lifestyle and my sport and my passion and my and everything. Yeah, for my whole life. And it shows because you're really good at it. And it shows that um, sticking with something, you know, does add up to a lot of success. And look at the ripple effects that you have across the the industry, too. You're, you're, we've, we've told the listeners to introduce you how much you've won just in the last year, which is incredible. And um, and, and you're not 25 anymore either, too. So it, I, I suppose it starts to uh, almost uh, emanate out from you all the success that you have through your riders. Yeah. Well, the, the most comfortable I am during my day is on a horse. Mm-hmm. So really lucky for that, that physically maybe uh, walking around, I'm not as comfortable as I am mm-hmm. walking around on the back of a horse. So that's I'm very lucky for that because just being around horses, you have a normal amount of injuries like any sport. And I'm very lucky that that's my, oh, my relief when I ride. And, um, I'm lucky that I have good horses and I think a good training program produces, uh, produces winners and people and horses. And I've been happy that, I see a lot of success in my riders and my horses that I produce. Yeah, and I think there's a description that we use to introduce you to that um, might be a big part of that, which is the laser-like intention on your relationship with your horse that you ride. Mm-hmm. Well, that- I think they. I definitely have a, a healthy respect for them, and I know that as individuals, each one is different, and as athletes, they 
deserve a huge amount of uh, attention for keeping them sound and happy mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And I pay a lot of attention to that. I'm proud that I have have almost a zero vet record history mm-hmm. for lamenesses and um how is I that possible how you have a zero uh, vet? <laughs> you must yeah, be the vet <laughs> well when i we do because of where we live we do our minor veterinary vaccines and things ourselves but uh i don't i think it's a um a methodology of training the horses where you're really fair to them mm-hmm. and and appreciate each individual you don't ask them to to build your ego you build their ego mm. and if you if i've had huge success in not making the horses be something they're not and my method is to make every horse the best they can be and it doesn't really matter to me what division or how high they can jump mm-hmm or who their family was. It's each, each animal. So I don't feel like I've ever pushed a horse past their limit. And through that, I've had a a lot of winners and also knowing where they're competitive and what kind of footing they like and what atmosphere. And if you, if I'm allowed by the owners to let the horses be who they are, Mm -hmm. then we haven't had anybody that hasn't proven to be a winner, which is awesome. Well, you, yeah, you must, um, I hope you're choosy about your, your owners too, because, <laughs> because that's wonderful. You, you can be, because I, I know that you have, um, you profess to have a plan oriented approach and I, I like that. And, and that is, it sounds like it's personal to the horse, but also to the riders too. You train up a lot of, a lot of kids and a lot of riders out there too. And I love the word that you use is alchemy, uh, that, practice of transformation, uh, both for rider and for horse. Is there a story behind that word? How did you come up with that? Uh, I think it's just the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I give a clinic or when I teach kids or teach people, somehow I've always been able to kind of look at the horse and see what I feel they're thinking. And also the that old saying that the outside of a horse reveals mm. the inside of a, of a man yeah. and not, and try to figure out what is happening with the people at the same time. And that's usually really been accurate for me. Mm. Um, and when I give a clinic, I try not to focus. I try to give the children uh, task oriented goals with their horses instead of comparing them against each other. Mm-hmm. And I'll do a little scoring system, but it's not scoring against each other. It's scoring um, themselves, mm-hmm. basically. And I had a clinic in Arizona last week, and one of the kids said, well, which one of us won? Oh, I said, mm-hmm. well, both of you, mm-hmm. because you both succeeded with your ponies, but your ponies are not comparable, and you're not comparable. So mm-hmm. you have to have, it's your own personal success. And then they were both happy, which was true because they had totally opposite animals and they were opposite kids, but they did the same task and they both did it correctly. Mm-hmm. So they both succeeded. Yeah. And very it's good. not an every, it's not an everyone wins kind of thing. It isn't a participation ribbon. As a leveler. As yeah. 
uh-huh. because they still have to accomplish the task that I set forth for them. So in order for them to do that, they have to succeed. Very good. Deliverables. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, attainable goals and um, depending, not easy either, difficult attainable goals, but ones that I know they can accomplish. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's transformative. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really been good. I have a technique that I use when I teach my clinics that takes the emotion out of it hmm. and I can help them learn how to navigate their horse without uh, making them feel like personally they're not good enough because everybody is good enough at their at their level. So Do you feel like they they try to push themselves too hard? Is that why? Um, I honestly think that some people aren't great teachers and so some of the kids start out feeling like they're not succeeding or they're mm-hmm. not good enough and I think everybody intends to be a great coach or great teacher but I think it's an, an art that people leave feeling better than when they started mm-hmm. and without filling them with uh, false falsehoods mm-hmm. so I think that's a really fine line to not make somebody feel uh, bad while they're learning, but also not give them a false sense of security because being around horses is, it's a dangerous thing to be around them, but it's also a beautiful thing if you understand them and do it correctly. Oh, and nicely said. There's a, ca- yeah. there's a calculated risk with every, every kind of animal sport and horses are big and you have to know how, know how they think and work and uh, I think they're the best animal and the best avenue to teach kids and people confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a certain thing about horses that makes people connect. Mm. I, and, I, I I love your philosophy and I love that you have influence over a lot of kids. And one of the conversations that we had, which was fascinating to me, was I don't know if you want to call it a give back or not, but you have plans to create something that you believe will be able to help some kids that maybe didn't have the opportunity to grow up with horses or wouldn't have the opportunity to have someone um, of your wisdom and ilk to be able to to teach. So you are a good teacher, but you're also a good influencer. So tell tell our listeners a little bit about what your plans are. Well, they're already going forward now, so I can't even call well, them plans. <laughs> it's my dream, and it's starting to take shape. Yeah. Uh, I, I live near a town that has, uh, just like any city, uh, kids with opportunity and kids without. And I noted driving through the town on an after school that a lot of the kids that I would say don't have a lot of opportunity, didn't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of in groups and they didn't, they were not doing anything. And I, there's a horse facility in the town that is kind of run down and it's, uh, it's been there forever, but it needs new life. And I thought, I'm going to see if we can get that place and start a, a facility where these kids can easily access it uh, by bikes or walking. Uh, mm-hmm. It's close enough to the schools where they can learn how to 
handle horses, um, all the aspects that go into to barn care, uh, leading horses, mm-hmm. brushing them, grooming them, handling them. Uh, there's so many aspects that go into taking care of a horse. You have to be able to do a lot of different jobs to make sure that your horse is safe and mm-hmm. hands-on jobs. Yay. And I thought that's a pretty good idea because these kids have, they are not exposed to that where they live and they're basically isolated by the geographics of their town. Mm-hmm. But if they were able to get there, if they learn how to handle horses, take care of them properly, learn the responsibility that's involved in that, the care, the feeding, the little things to see if they're well or need some extra care. It also provides them an opportunity to have employment anywhere mm-hmm. in the world. That's true. And mm-hmm. uh, as a groom, um, as a any kind of uh, service person at a racetrack or a horse show or a rodeo or a mm-hmm. gymkhana, anything that involves horses. If you know how to deal with horses, the world opens up to you. And That's there's a, a lot of people that don't know that. That's true. That is That vocation is really being lost on a lot of kids. And I think kids uh, are fascinated by n- not only the power and size of horses, but also their demeanor, which is different than what they normally experience in any other animals that they've can be around. Yeah. So I, I love that you're thinking that you can expose them to, to something that they might be fascinated by because they can't control it too. That absolutely. And that's something they can uh, be proud of, mm-hmm. have uh, learn that level of responsibility about something they can care about. It's hard to have a lot of love and care for a job that is just about making money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to be excited about t- working with in- inanimate objects, mm-hmm. you know, just for a paycheck. But if you, right. if they can experience the connection and the love between a person and a horse and how magical that is, mm-hmm. then maybe it will give them a renewed desire to, f- for life. Yeah. Because what I see is there's a little bit of a lack of that. You know, the lack of motivation, uh, a lack of empathy, and not a great deal of motivation to work or do something just for a paycheck. And I find that the kids that I have known and crossed paths with, um, they've made it somehow part of their life, whether or not it's um, announcing running the stall chart at a horse show, timers, barrels at a rodeo. It's, it has given them a huge uh, gateway to life mm-hmm. and in a lot of different areas, but it's something that a lot of kids are simply not exposed to. Mm-hmm. They have, they're not without access to a stable. Um, they don't have even the remote possibility of that happening for them. I can't even imagine. No. So do you want to tell us about punks? Like you told me, or is that an inside secret right now? (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite yet. I, um, I, I was trying to think of a name that would 
they wouldn't think was too flowery or too um, therapeutic or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it isn't about that. Right. And uh, what I oh, so I thought of an acronym: punks, people who understand the need for kindness and service, and with the a cool logo so that maybe they would think it was cool. And mm-hmm. I think these kids need something they think is cool and something they can succeed at, something that they have respect for, maybe something they can connect with and something they can be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch, I go to a lot of horse shows. I go to the racetrack. My father had racehorses. I go to rodeos and I see all kinds of uh, different people at the horse shows, different from every aspect of the world and every background, and they all can be on the same team. Mm -hmm. You can have an internet giant whose groom came from a completely different background and they're on the same team for the same horse and they become a unit. They're not separated anymore. It's a Mm -hmm. really inclusive, a horse transcends all that. It does. It does. Yeah, we found that the the veterans, uh, it was interesting when we first started our veterans programs in 2010, you know, you had Army over here, you had Air Force over here, you had (laughs) Marines over here, and and there was a little bit of this, uh, you know, camaraderie between the branches, but then it was reaching across the aisle, they all had one thing in common. They they were there because of post-traumatic stress. And I thought that was the coolest thing that we hadn't even thought of in a program was that they could get to know somebody who is in a different branch instead of silos. Right. Um, and no, I think and not feel, and not feel alone. Exactly. Not and, feel, I, yeah. The commonality would be horses and what they're doing with the horses. And it doesn't even matter the discipline, which I think is, is your, your goal. So, so where do, where do we go from here? Do we have to keep up with your story here, Kristen? I went into escrow on the property with, Without having any money, <laughs> but everybody's <laughs> and wait. So I'm, I don't want to lose the property because I need that area to to work for what I have in mind. I would you. like it. I would love it if it turned out to be something that uh, other people picked up on and did the same thing in their area. I think nice. it should be something that if it if it works, that it could happen for a lot of people. I'm lucky to know a lot of people that have. Um, have a lot of experience. And if I post anything on my Facebook, I've been getting a lot of feedback. Uh, A friend of mine from that works at uh, the university in Tucson said that they had a similar program like that there. And she was going to happily share with me the curriculum and how they went about it, which is super helpful for me. I, I want, I really want it to succeed. I want it to be a legacy something that these kids tell their friends about, mm. tell their kids about, this is where I got my start. Yeah. And to keep horses alive and to keep um, the spirit of horses and yeah. to give these kids a chance, something besides what they see every day. I know in this particular town that I'm thinking of, I think if they're born and raised there, they feel trapped. Mm-hmm. and other people who aren't there may want to live there because it's a small town, but it's a way I, I would like it for the kids to look at it like um, 
a way not to get out, but a way to um, a little bit, a ticket, yeah, a, a ticket mm-hmm. to life. You can go anywhere in the world if you if you do this. That's it. And if you do what, do it well. Expand your horizons. I guess you know they yeah. can always they can always stay stay home and and um, I suppose help those. But it's really it's so helpful for kids to to see that there are other kids in their condition, you know, in different areas too, and then come home maybe and and figure out how to help that community. Um, well, and be I better. would also, uh, if any of them want to carry on forward with yeah. their with riding a horse, I, I want them to be able to go to flag is up and experience your program. And, oh, I love that. And mm-hmm. because I think there's a, a big divide between, uh, even though we're only an hour and 15 minutes away from each other, it's a different world. Mm-hmm. And these kids may never be able to, to get to a place like solving unless they have, uh, something like this behind them. Mm-hmm. So I think that just, it, to me, it is an avenue for them to go not only anywhere in the world, but to get to your program to see all those other aspects of life that they normally will never see. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we think our, our lead up is a nice door opener. And um, and and we like to have a, a place to put these kids to continue that interest out there, too, you know, and and have an ongoing community program to put them back into. So we bring them in from San Francisco. And, and, and I yeah. also think uh, and you you may feel the same way. I think that the you know, most of these kids have a, an iPhone or a, some mm-hmm. kind of device that puts them online and the world that they see online can be pretty intimidating. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if they are able to meet some of these people in real life, mm-hmm. and we're all just people. Yep. And we're all, we're not, you know, that we're not that different. And nobody's life is perfect when you get to know somebody and nobody has gotten anything for free we've all worked for it mm-hmm. and i think for them to be able to maybe see that and mm-hmm. meet somebody like you or your dad and and you uh it's huge i'm huge. so glad i got to meet you Kristen, and i'm so glad we're going to be able to work together on these projects too i think it's going to be so much fun and we aren't that I'm far really apart excited. yeah i'm really excited about it too so we'll have you back um you and i are going to stay in touch how do people get a hold of you if they want to take a, a lesson they want to train their horse or what, what's the best way well to get a hold they of you? can find me on facebook okay. and they can find me through my website right. and my facebook is public um it has okay. all my has several names on it from the periods of my life mm-hmm. um but i they can find me there and i'm really good about answering everybody's messages and if i can help people with their horses if they can come to one of my clinics if they have questions about anything they can ask me very sweet and very sweet so it's kristenharden.com that's k r i s t i n h a r d i n or it'll be in our show notes too so people can click on that thank you so great. much kristen for thank for you. giving us so much time today and also for being who you are whisper the language of the herd listen you don't have to say a word.
It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of Well, it's producer Jen this time around while Jamie takes a break from the Ask Monty segment. And the question is, have horse training methods improved? About your methods of training horses, you question some traditional methods, for example, the use of the whip, but it's still the main item in many horse shops. You've been part of the horse market for a long time. How is it changing? Monty's answer. It's changing, but certainly not enough to suit me. I am 84, and I would like to see it speed up a lot. The production of pain administered by a human being to a flight animal is one of the least intelligent actions the human race has ever utilized. Horses seek a safe place. When we cause them pain, the flight animal sees it as an unsafe place. The word break comes clearly into this picture, because if you produce enough pain, you can cause a flight animal to give up, to be broken to follow instructions not because they want to, but because they are afraid not to. This, to me, is a pathetic action caused by people who simply haven't thought this process through. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends two-legged and four-legged. Here we are at March 2022. March 4th through 6th, we have our Horse Sense and Healing, our nonprofit for veterans and first responders. And then March 8th through 10, we have an introductory course, Module 1. That's the first steps to Monty's Methods. And then March 15th through 17th, we have the introductory course, Module 2. That's the join-up. And then March 22 through 24, we have our introductory course, Module 3. That's all about long lining, and it's double lining. And then we have March 29 through 31, the introductory course, Module 4. That's preparation for the intro exams, because you better have taken 1 through 3 already. And then you're ready to get ready for the intro exams. So then in April, we have April 4 through 8 the introductory exam. See, now you're ready. And then we have April 9, the Horsemanship 101. And then April 22 through 24, we have Horses and Healing. And then April 25 through 29, we have Gentling Wild Horses. That's a five-day course with a lot of wild horses. It's fun. And then in May, May 2 through 13, we have the advanced exams. That's special. The ones, the only ones we have all year. And then May 16 through June 3, we have our advanced course. And those people are getting ready to take those eventually, their exams. Then long-term planning, June 2022, we have 17 through 19, the movement. And we'll be telling you a lot about that, won't we, Jen? All kinds of great announcements coming up with that. So pencil it into your calendar now because each episode of the Horsemanship Radio Show going forward, we're going to toss out a few more tidbits about what's going on. Right. June 17 through 19. Put that down. 
There we go. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com and you're going to find links, photos, and links. Well, you're going to find photos. You're going to find links to today's guests and topics. There we go. And more information. And we love your feedback. A great way to give us feedback is through social media. Go to Facebook if you're still old school. Isn't that funny? We're saying old school. I know. (laughs) Uh, Go to Facebook, look up Monty Roberts, and like and follow the one with the little blue check mark because that's the official Monty Roberts page. Monty is also on Twitter and Instagram. In both places, his handle is Monty underscore Roberts. Yeah, go there too. Check him out. The the numbers have been unbelievable, you guys. I don't know who all your friends you're telling about, but our numbers on social media have been a lot of fun. I think people love the quotes too. And many thanks to our sponsors. That would be Hands On Gloves, American Harvest Inc., and Monty Roberts University. And be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. Thank you.